Welcome back to the Church 2060 podcast. I appreciate everyone that listened to my last episode about the Ravi Zacharias situation and the comments and the feedback I got on it. I really appreciate every bit of that. Today, however, I'm going to talk about what I said I would talk about after that episode, and that is the last few months of my life, uh, actually more than a few months now. Uh, what happened starting in December, in January, and what bled into February. Um, where my mom went to the hospital. We thought we were going to lose her in the hospital. She made a quick bounce back, small bounce back. I got COVID. Uh, Three and a half weeks later or so, uh, I was finally able to go see my mom, and I was headed to go see her after work. And a few days later, we lost her. So I just want to talk about those events leading up to one specific thing that's on my mind that unfortunately still has me angry after all this time, uh, but it's not going to go away. So I'm going to talk about it and hopefully we'll talk about it and I'll hear from you about it. So rewind a little bit. It's December. My mom goes into the hospital. She has very bad fibromyalgia and She's in the hospital struggling to breathe, and I really honestly did not believe that she was going to come home from the hospital. Uh, my family would take turns sitting with her all day um, just to spend the time with her. And we didn't want to miss a minute because uh, it really did seem like this was not, um, this was a time where there wasn't a lot of time left. So she bounced back a little bit. Uh, we thought maybe at one point that we were in the clear. And she ended up getting out of the hospital for a short time, going to a rehab facility. And in the rehab facility, the time there was supposed to be spent being able to get up, learn to walk again, or at least build those muscles up, uh, and then be able to go home at least to healthcare at home. But that ended up not being the case. Uh, a COVID situation in a, in the uh, in the healthcare facility, in the rehab facility, wasn't great. She wasn't getting the help she needed. So eventually we, we got her out. And by we, I wasn't involved with this because at this point in time I had COVID. And I was not able to go see her. So my sister and hospice, they got my mom out and took her to my sister's house. And uh, it's my sister's story to tell, but... When, when they got to see each other and her out of that uh, rehab facility, it was a good moment. So so she's there, and hospice is there, and I still have COVID. And my COVID didn't, didn't uh, it wasn't a short situation. It was, it was long, and I missed a lot of work, and I missed out on the last three, three and a half, four weeks maybe of my mom's life. And when I finally was able to go see her, my symptoms were good. Uh, it was a Monday, and I was planning on going to see her after work. And I got a call that uh, I needed to come down right now. And I left work, got there. My mom was sure she was going to pass that day. And she, she almost did. She held on until the next night. Uh, but there was a lot of stuff that was, that was challenging about that. Um, it was hard for my mom to make that transition. It was hard. It was hard for us to see some of the things that happened and how she reacted to the, to some of the things that happened. But one of the things 
that really got to me and is still sticking with me was a concern my mom had while taking medicine one day. And the concern I, you know, the, the anger I have, the, um, and I guess it's not, it's not a boiling anger anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm past that point, but it's sticking with me and I don't think it'll ever go away. And one thing, if you don't know my mom or didn't know her or haven't heard me talk about her, she's the person that held the family together. She was the spiritual leader of the family. If there was anybody that you'd ever expect to be with God for eternity, it was my mom. She kept my brother and I in church when we were kids. She prayed for us every day. Uh, she didn't. She didn't miss a beat when it came to that kind of thing. Uh, when it came to prayer time, prayer groups, Bible studies, she was close to God. Always was close to God. She was even trying to do Bible studies. Apparently, a few days before she passed. And knowing that, knowing her, knowing her heart, when I found out that. She was afraid she was going to go to hell a few days before she passed. I lost my mind. How in the world could my mom believe that there's a chance she would go to hell? I'm angry about it now. More in a righteous anger, I hope. Uh, but at that, mo- at that moment, my anger was not healthy. And the big reason for that is not just because of the person she was, but because she had been pumped so full of a fear-based gospel that she's about to die and she's worried that she's going to go to hell because she's worried that there's sin that she might not have asked for forgiveness for that might have happened in the past several days or, or, or maybe some medicine she's taking. Someone had told her at some point in time that that was uh, not appropriate or maybe she was sinning because she was taking it and that would, that would make her go to hell. That makes me so mad. It makes me mad, number one, because it was my mom. It makes me mad, number two, that people are preaching a fear-based gospel, and that is not okay. And I will probably go to my grave making sure that people know that the gospel is not something to be feared. Sure, there's a healthy fear for God. There's a healthy reverence and respect that we have for God. We know that he's the one that could keep someone separate from him for all eternity, or let someone waller in their own mistakes and live in the mess they've made of their life. There's that kind of fear. But for someone to live every day of their life thinking, if I don't get my last sin forgiven, I'm going to hell, angers me. And I will go to my grave to make sure that people understand that that is not how God operates. That is not, (laughs) if that's the case, then the work of Jesus might as well not even have happened. We could live on an Old Testament Jewish system, okay? Have our festival once a year, make some sacrifices, and we're good for another year, okay? And I apologize that I oversimplified that. It was not meant to be disrespectful. I say that because this fear-based gospel is extremely disrespectful to the work of Jesus. If you look at the interactions Jesus had with sinners, you never see Jesus threatening them or telling them they're going to go to hell. You just don't. Let's think of a couple examples. Do you remember the woman who was caught in adultery that the Pharisees brought to Jesus? Yeah, they caught her in adultery and they told Jesus, hey, the law says she should be stoned. What say you? And Jesus is like, well, uh, let's talk about this. So then he started writing in the sand. We don't know what he wrote, but all those Pharisees walked away one by one. 
and had nothing left to say. And then when the woman got up, Jesus said, uh, who condemns you? She said, no one. And he said, neither do I. At that point, then he says, oh, by the way, don't go and don't sin anymore. You know why he said that? It's not because he's an angry, vengeful God who wants, who's going to be upset with us if we sin. He said that because her sin, the stupid decisions she was making, were screwing up her life. Could have got her killed. Or let's look at the woman at the well. You remember the woman at the well? Jesus even pointed out to her that she had way too many husbands, right? And I can almost picture, I'm picturing a grin on Jesus's face as he's pointing this out to her. And she's just like, oh, you know who I am. You know what I've been up to. But you know what? Jesus pointed out her sin, but she still ran away happier than she'd ever been in her life, going to tell everyone she knew that she'd found the Messiah. Why? Because the fear-based gospel is garbage. And you might be saying, Mike, I, I, I want to believe that. I don't, I don't know that I do. I think we should be always fearful that we could go to hell. Well, one, I think that, that there's a lot wrong with that statement. But let's fast forward, because a lot of people will say, you know what, there, there's a lot of preaching in the New Testament after Jesus that would indicate that there should be some fear. There should be some, there was a lot of urgency in Acts, right? To, so there should be some fear about going to hell, but I want to read something to you. This is Peter in Acts chapter 2. Peter had a long sermon, okay? And he said a lot. He went over a lot of things that Jesus did and the fulfillment of Scripture and prophecy. But then he said, toward the end, he said, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Okay, that's just a snippet. It is out of context, but I will not tell you anything that takes it out of a con- its context and twist it. So let's start with, each of you must repent of your sins. Number one, the definition of the word repent is not to ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins. It isn't, okay? It's acknowledging your sins, turning to God, and walking away from your sins. Now you might be saying, Mike... This is the part where we differ because I don't necessarily think some things are a sin that you might think are a sin, and my truth might be different than yours, and this is, you know, I can do this even though other people can't, and you know what? Jesus considers sin, sin, because it damages us, okay? Yes, he doesn't like it. Yes, he wants us to stop it, but sin damages us, okay? Let's think about the Ten Commandments. And I'll just go through a few of them. Thou shalt not kill. Okay. (laughs) Kill someone. Try living with that on your conscience. Kill someone and see how that affects that person or their family. I guess it really would affect that person pretty bad because they're dead. Okay. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting other people. It's not a good idea. Okay. How about stealing? You took something that didn't belong to you. Someone just lost something. You now have something on your conscience that you shouldn't have done. How about lusting after your neighbor's spouse? There's a good one, right? How is that a problem? So, you know, it's in my own head. Well, where does that lust lead? Thoughts that you shouldn't have? Desires you shouldn't have? Pursuits you shouldn't have? Looking at things you probably shouldn't look at only to get yourself mentally and emotionally someplace you shouldn't be to where you're pursuing something you shouldn't, which ultimately could lead to you hurting your spouse and someone else's 
or tearing families apart. You see where I'm going here? This isn't don't sin because God will be angry and you will go to hell. This is don't sin because you're screwing up your life. Don't sin because you're hurting other people. Remember when Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself? In other words, show me that you love me, love me by loving each other. Yeah. Repent. Turn away from the sin and be willing to change. Turn to God for the forgiveness of your sins. Not in order for you to be forgiven. You have to do this, this, and this. Do this. The forgiveness is waiting on you. It's not a transaction. It's a free gift that's there. Now look, I cannot look at that. I cannot look at what Jesus did and say I can buy into a fear-based gospel. There's no way. You might be saying, well, Mike, um, if you don't do that stuff, doesn't that mean you'll go to hell? Isn't that a little scary? Isn't that the fear part of the gospel? Well, let me tell you. I don't know that I believe in a hell where you're burning eternally. I think there's a lot of imagery in the Bible. I think there's a lot of times the word hell is used to translate something that we wouldn't consider hell in the context that we can know hell as. What we what we think of hell, that's it's not what these words generally are. But I do believe for sure that if you want to be separated from God for eternity, you can be. Don't do this. Don't reconcile with God. Don't turn away from a lifestyle that's hurting you and other people. Don't. And if you don't want God, you don't want God in your life, you know what? He will say, okay, that's fine. You can live separated from me for eternity. But you know what? If that's what you really want, then that's what you'll get. That shouldn't be something that scares you. It will be horrible. And when the scripture says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, that's because you're talking about a life hopeless, a life away from God, a life eternally separated from him. That doesn't sound like a good time. That sounds pretty hopeless. I could ramble on all day about this because of my anger level. But listen, Jesus doesn't want us to be afraid of him. If he did, he wouldn't have came and healed people. He wouldn't have came to save people's lives, literally save people's lives, not just not simply saving them simply and just is the worst possible words. Not saving them on the cross by his work, their their eternal life, but literally saving their life from being stoned. Or giving someone hope as they're here on earth. That's what Jesus was doing. He wasn't saying, look, I'd be happy to heal you, but first repent because I have the power to send you directly to hell. Are you kidding me? Are we preaching that? Are we teaching that to people? Because that's not the Jesus I read in Scripture. I'm not making this up. I don't have some weird translation. Jesus said he came to seek and save. Right? He didn't say he came to threaten us. He didn't come to send us to hell. He didn't come to make us beg for forgiveness for every sin we ever committed. I'm going to stop there because I think if I get too much further, it's just going to sound too angry. And I don't serve an angry God, and I shouldn't be angry either. But I know right now my mom is in heaven, and I'm going to see her again one day. And that's not because I have a God that I need to live in fear of. It's because I have a God that loves me.